0: timeless endless gospel uh, through the words of scripture and we ask these things in jesus name amen amen keith over to you
1: all right thank you john and Ben. that was great thank you so much for that if you've never read the story about that last song that they sang Written by a guy in England by the name of Horatio G. Spafford. And I don't remember the exact story, but something similar to he was, send, he, he was fixing to travel by ship from England over to America, and some. What'd you do? <laughs> Something happened that uh, he couldn't make it at the last minute, so he sent his wife and I believe three daughters on the head. And sure enough, the ship didn't make it to America, and he lost his entire family. So in the midst of that tribulation, that trial, those sad circumstances, he wrote that particular song that regardless of what happens, it's still well with my soul. And I hope all is well with your soul this morning. And it's good to be back at First Baptist Mason again. Always a joy to be here, a little different this morning. This is my first time doing this, John. But as I told you, you're going to get the whole load anyway, whether a few or many show up. So, it <laughs> doesn't matter. I want to give you an opportunity to find in your Bible, Second Chronicles. Back over there in the Old Testament, right after Kings and all of that, you will find the book of 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. And basically what Chronicles is... Is a retelling, we might say, a chronicling of the history of the nation of Israel and all that had gone on in the life of God's chosen people at that time, right after the kings and all of that had been there, just right after the judges. We had the judges and we had the kings, and right at the end of the judges, it says in the last verse of Judges that every man did what was right in his own mind. Uh, that fits America today, I would dare say that everybody seems to be thinking that they can do whatever's right in their own mind without any consequences. We know that God's Word says something differently from that, that He is still on the throne regardless of what's happening. The other thing I'd call your attention to, and I I don't know how well you can see this on Facebook, but my Bible, as you can see, is rather tattered, tattered, torn, pages are falling out, I've had this Bible I don't know how many years, all the concordance back over here is loose-leaf loose pages now instead of being brown, but I've had this Bible so many years, and I've preached out of it so many times and read it so many times. But it reminds me of a song by a gospel group that came out not too long ago called This Beat-Up Bible. Let me read you just a little bit of the words from the script from the song. It says, this beat-up Bible, dusty on a shelf, worn out and torn up, doesn't look like much, but it'll get you through hell. It's been held in the hands of all the ones that I love. It might be falling off the binding, but every word in it will still hold up. I love those verses. And I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, sometimes my cornbread may not be quite baked all the way to the middle, but I have a four-word answer to all the world's problems today. Anybody want to hear those four words of how we can solve all the violence, all the riots, all the discord, all the disunity, all the hate, all the evil going on in the world? Let me tell you how to solve that in four short words. Back to the book. Back to the book. If we could get more people to start reading God's Word, and I'm talking about Christians as well, okay? I'm going to pick on Christians as well as non-Christians, because we do not get into God's Word nearly as much as we should But in God's Word, we have the answers to all the world's problems. And when you boil it all down, there's basically two things I think we can boil it down to, as Jesus did in the New Testament. What we call the Great Commission, go and teach and preach and baptize and make disciples. The Great Commandment, we call it. And the other one we call the Great Commission, I mean the Great Commandment. The Great Commission says go and teach and preach and baptize. The Great Commission says love God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took all those hundreds and hun- God started out with ten commandments that he gave his people. He said follow these. Live this style of life. Well, in the intertestamental period of time when the Pharisees and the Sadducees got into power, they were smarter than God, so they had to add all these extra rules and regulations. Go back and read the book of... Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, and you'll see all these things you could and could not do. So they had to expound on God's perfect Word. And now we have so many laws that nobody can follow them in America. I read one time there's over 17,000 laws in America, and we can't follow them all because we can't follow the basic Ten Commandments that God gave us. We can't follow even the two that Jesus gave us. But in the Old Testament, when you start looking at the book of Kings, you will notice a cyclical nature through all of that. A king would rise to power, and he might be a great king. He might be a good king. He might be a godly king that would lead the nation of Israel in the right direction. But when he died and someone else took over, it might just be the opposite. And you see this throughout the whole book of Kings. Whether he was a king of Israel or king of Judah, it, it followed that cyclical pattern. You'd have a good king, you'd have three or four bad kings. Every time those bad kings came into power, they led the people away from God into idol worship of Molech and Baal and Asherah and all those other gods that were around at that time, the pagan gods. And every time they did that, then God would allow something to happen to them. He would diminish them in number, He would allow them to be taken into captivity, whatever. In the book of Chronicles, in Second Chronicles, we have a story of a good king. Starting in chapter 1, and that's not where I'm going to be reading text, but just to give you a little bit of a background on this, King Josiah arises to power. Now, I want you to notice this in verse 1, though. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. I'm in chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. 8 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem 1 and 30 years, 31 years eight-year-old kid, how old are your kids, John? One of them's eight. Wouldn't you like to see her president or him president of the United States? No, huh? (laughs) But this king, Josiah, came to power at eight years of age. At 16 years of age, he had heard the stories, he'd been raised right, and he determined in his own mind that he was going to become more like David, the great king, he was going to try to follow and seek out this God of David. And that's in verse 2 there that you can look at. Well, when he turns 20 years old, after searching out God, so he's 20 years old, so four years after searching out God, finding God, listening to God, seeking God's voice, then he decided, at verse 20, that all of these idols and Asherah poles and all these pagan God images needed to be torn down, and he started that process, and he tore all of those things down. And once he got all of those torn down, at age 26, he noticed the house of the Lord, which had been abandoned for many years, and it was in great disrepair, so he wanted to repair the house of the Lord. And you see that in verse uh, 8 there, when in his 18th year of his reign, so when he was 20 years old, 26 years old, then he wanted to start repairing the house, so he had it arranged to do so. All that's leading up to where we're going to where we're going to be this morning. So, in the midst of their repairing the house of the Lord, let's say just way down in the basement, way down there. Now, join with me if you would uh, in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-four, beginning with verse uh, fourteen. Verse 14, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord for repairs, the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king, Josiah, And brought the king word back again, saying, All that you commanded your servants, they're doing it, as far as repairing the house. And they gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and have delivered it to the hands of the overseers, and the workers, and the hands of the workmen. And Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hey, king, whoa, wait a minute, you've got to listen to this, king. Hilkiah found this book down in the basement, way down there, amongst the rubble. I'm paraphrasing Verse 18. And Shaphan read it before the king. And the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Now, I'm going to back up again just a little bit. We'll, We'll see this in a moment. It had been 380 plus years since they had observed the Jewish most holy and high holiday, which is what? What's the... Greatest Jewish holiday. Passover, right? When the death angel passed over the house. They had not celebrated the one thing that God said on the sixth day of Nisan, from now on you observe this observance. There's a seven-day period in there, the Feast of the Tabernacles leading into the Passover, etc., etc. It was a celebration of God for seven days, and they had forsaken that. They had forgotten that. And that was in the book that he read to the king, and because of the failure of the people to do what was commanded in the book, Josiah was so upset, and you see this in Old Testament Scripture over and over and over, they, he, that he rent his clothes, he tore his clothes, it doesn't say it in Scripture, but I would even dare say, it was according to the custom, that he put on what was called sackcloth and ashes to show his agony. So, that's where we are right now. We have found the book. Because of that, then Josiah becomes very sorrowful over that because he realizes that the people for 380 plus years had abandoned God. God had not abandoned them. They had abandoned God. God has not abandoned America today, but we certainly, as a society in general, have abandoned God. If you don't believe that, just listen to the rhetoric. They're trying to take in God we trust off the money, they're trying to take under God out of the pledge. They're trying to remove any mention of God in one of the two major parties the evil that is running rampant, and I I heard the best saying yesterday that that I've heard to sum a lot of this stuff up that's going on, and I never thought about it in those perspectives. But a guy told me yesterday, a pastor told me yesterday, he said, we're trying to fight a physical battle, and we're not spiritually equipped. Mmm. We're fighting against that flesh and blood and those principalities of the air, and we're not spiritually mature enough to fight that battle. So we need to become more mature in our faith. Josiah also realized that this abandonment of God, if we may call it that, this idea that they hadn't been seeking God with their full heart that they hadn't been following the words in the book of the law of Moses, he realized that this could not continue. If it did, the demise of the nation would surely be prevalent. It's a good lesson for America today, I would dare say, as well. So what did he do? Well, he did what most kings of the time did. He went to God's prophets. You know, That's the amazing thing about God. Even when His nation has gone astray, even when they have said, God, we want nothing to do with you, even in the midst of all that, God always raises up someone, a judge, a king, a prophet, a prophetess. He always raised up somebody to speak on his behalf. So Josiah did the wise thing. He goes to the prophets and said, guys, tell me about this. What's going to happen if we don't follow this book of the law of Moses? And then he wished he hadn't heard the answer. In verse 21, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. And it goes on and talks about all that stuff that God said if you don't, Follow me, this, 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 and this is going to happen to you. And the prophet said, hey, this is what's going to happen to the nation of Israel, and it's not going to be nice. God will bring evil upon the nation of Israel if we don't get right. And that's not what he wanted to hear. And he also, the prophets also said, every one of those curses that are mentioned in the book of the law of Moses will be fulfilled in your lifetime if you don't straighten up and fly right. God's wrath will be poured out. But, there's a good but in here, in verse 27, and I'm going to kind of rephrase it a little bit. But, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard these words, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbled yourself before me, and and rended your clothes, and wept before me, I have heard thee also, God saying, Since you realized your lost state, if we may just say it that way, since you realized that you and the nation of Israel had not been doing what you've been doing, and because you humbled yourself before me, and you wept, and you tore your clothes, and you were sorrowful for not only yourself, but for the nation of Israel, etc., because you've done all of that, God said, I will bring you back into my fold with me. Back up a minute to 2 Chronicles 7.14. I think it's still as applicable today as it was when it was written, oh, 2,600 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. You know what Second Chronicles 7.14 says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, Pray and seek my face. Then, God says, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. That's as applicable today as it's ever been, if not more applicable. I want to rephrase that just a little bit. If God's people, that's us, will get right with God, humble ourselves as Josiah did, tear our clothes as Josiah did, beg for forgiveness, repent of our sins, seek God with all our heart, then God will hear from heaven and heal our land. I've heard a lot of people say in churches over the last few years especially, well, what America needs today is a good old-fashioned revival. And I said, no, it's not. And they said, what? What the church needs today is a good old-fashioned revival. You can't revive somebody out there that's never been vived. I don't know how many years, ever since I've been going to church, and I've been over 40 years now and bringing God's Word for nearly that long. We always have a revival. And we, we try to bring people in who are unsaved to the revival. That's not the purpose of a revival. A revival is to revive the church to regenerate, to recharge, to rejuvenate the church so that then you can be better equipped to go out there and do God's Word and fulfill God's Word and do His commandment of go and teach and preach and baptize and make disciples. Revivals for the church. It's not for the outsiders. That's, that would be evangelism more so than revival. The church needs to be revived. Anyway, so, because of uh, everything that transpired there, when you get to chapter 35 and down in the latter part of the verses, there in chapter 35, we see a, a change in all of this. In verse 18, especially I want to hit. Bless you. And there was no Passover, because Josiah reinstituted the Passover. And there was no Passover like to that kept in in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests, and the Levites, and all Judah and Israel that were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. How about if we just cancel Christmas for the next 380 years, or Easter? Would that be all right? That's basically what had happened. They had forgotten to keep the Passover, the most high and holy holiday on the Jewish calendar. And Josiah was wise enough after seeking God's counseling and everything, that he reinstituted the Feast of Tabernacles and the Passover, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, all of those things. Part of the Jewish culture for a young Jewish child, and especially a young Jewish male child from an early age, that that they were to be taught the story of the Passover and its significance. From knee-high, they were taught this story. Every year when they celebrated Passover, part of the Passover Seder that was involved with all of that, part of that was questioning the children. What does this, why is this night more important than any other night that we celebrate? And they had to be able to, in essence, retell the story of the Passover. It was that important. Maybe we need to do that at Christmas and Easter time. We celebrate Christmas... We celebrate Easter, but do we really stop and reflect and think upon and retail the significance of those two events, the birth and the death of Christ? Because of Josiah's leading, because the people had heard the Word of God, and as Moses read the Ten Commandments when he came down from the mountaintop the first time, and all the people said, yeah, we'll do all of this. That's kind of what the nation of Israel and Judah said at this point in time. We will do what the book of the law of Moses says. And they did for a period of time. So the people, we might say, in our modern vernacular, had a change of heart. They were willing now to follow God as never before. All their idols had been torn down. All the Asherah poles, all the Molech idols, all the child sacrifices to Molech, all of that stuff was gone. They were back to, to the real Jehovah, Yahweh, God. And they had had a change in heart. And the people had agreed to renew those words. Some of you may have had at some point in time in your life. I don't know. I've had the opportunity to do it twice for couples. To redo your wedding vows. Not a bad idea. Every once in a while. Every 10 years. Every 20 years. To renew the vows to refresh your memory. That's kind of what they did. They renewed their vows to God, we might say. My wife and I have done that together. I have done that for two other couples that asked me to do that. And it was a joy to do that. But they had forgotten who God was. They had forgotten what the law said, what they were supposed to do. They had forgotten the Passover. They had forgotten all their history, basically, their religious history, and they were just wandering around, seeking one God and then another and then another and then another, until the book was found. Now, let's bring it up to more modern times, if we can, and talk a little bit. What would happen if, let's just put it that way, what would happen if you no longer had a Bible? What would happen if 380 years from now, First Baptist Church, Mason, Texas, was doing some remodeling, and somewhere way down in one of the back rooms amongst the clutter, somebody finds a book like this. And you've been wandering for those 380 years in the desert, as it were. You've been wondering who this God is. And you finally have God's Word before you that you can read yourself and see what God's Word says. There's people out there who have a Bible who are not believers because they don't pick it up and use it. This thing is useless unless you read it. Okay? It's useless unless you delve into it. I love what Hank Hanegraaff said one time. Hank Hanegraaff is president of the Christian Research Institute in North Carolina somewhere. He said, it's not enough to get into God's Word. We've got to get God's Word into us. I like that. We, we may we may have read the Bible a hundred times. From Genesis through the maps. Anybody got a Bible that's got maps in it? <laughs> Genesis through the maps. I've read the Bible, I don't know how many times, not bragging. I read at least two to five chapters every morning when I get up drinking coffee by myself. I get my iPad out and I read. I'm in Micah right now. I've covered that far since January. I'm in Micah right now. Obadiah is a good book to read. It's one chapter. It doesn't take you long. But what about if we were in the same situation they were? when we didn't have this book. America no longer is interested in this book, and as Christians, it's our responsibility, our mission, our charge, that we are to share God's Word with those around us. So I want to I close with two different little items, if I may, or questions, we might say. Let's go back to Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, Ask yourself this. Am I living as good a Christian life as I possibly can? If not, you've got a problem. Let's be up in front and honest about it. Am I willing to humble myself before God? If not, you've got a problem. Am I willing and do I desire to turn from my wicked ways? The psalmist says, Search me and try me, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way found in me. We all have those shadowy areas in our life that we think God can't see. Well, guess what? You can't hide anything from Him. Is there, do we need to turn from our wicked ways? Do we need to really seek God with all of our heart, mind, and soul? If we, if we can say yes to those, then we can start fulfilling 2 Chronicles 7.14. And when we do that, when the church, cross denominations, when the church starts doing that, then God will hear from heaven. So just a couple more things. As we, and and (laughs) I don't think any of us would argue that this has been a different year, to say the least, for the last four months plus, since about the middle of March to now. And we don't know what the next few months holds. So, to say the least, it's been kind of a crazy, screwy year. So, as we go into the second half of this year, are we willing to rend our clothes? Are we willing to humble ourselves before God? Are we aware of what's going on, not just across America, but across the world? Do you know every 11 seconds there is a Christian killed somewhere around the world? Every 11 seconds there is a Christian killed somewhere around the world. And in some of those countries, there's countries that we do the most business with, which is, just blows my mind are we willing to turn back to the book this is the only this only information we need right here folks I mean I don't know how else to say it from Genesis from the downfall of man to God calling us home in the book of Revelation that's what we need to know and we cannot wait as Josiah and the nation of Israel did we cannot wait 400 years to get this right We won't be here by then, but whoever is here, we don't want to pass on that kind of legacy to them. So my challenge to First Baptist Mason and to each Christian listening today is to get back to the book. Delve into God's Word as never before. Seek His face. Pray. Turn from your wicked ways. Humble yourself before God, and He will hear His voice, and He will come and heal our land. It's a great challenge this morning, before all of us, to become more Christ-like and more of what God wants today than we've ever been before. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we thank You for the day. Help us, Father, to turn back to the book, to not only read Your Word, but to apply it, to really delve into it, to really study it to compare Scripture with Scripture, to back everything up with Scripture. And the more of God's Word we get into us, the more we can share with those around us. We can fulfill that great commandment. After we fulfill Second Chronicles seven fourteen, after we pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, humble ourselves, then you will hear, and you will heal our land. So, Father, we beg your forgiveness this morning for the failure of our nation as a whole, for the failure of Christian leaders as a whole, for failure of Christians as a whole to do everything that you've called us to do, Father. Grant us that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what your condition is this morning, here or at home if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to do so in and through Him and through this book. is the only salvation that we have, the only true knowledge that we have, the only true wisdom that we have to get by in this crazy, chaotic, messed up world today. Those of you at home, if you would like to call First Baptist Mason, please do. They have three associate pastors several deacons that would be more than willing to come to your house to visit with you about this. Come up here to the church. Somebody will meet you here and visit with you, whatever it might be. We invite you to do so as we sing one last song. Brother John. We fall
2: down we lay our crowns at the feet of jesus the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of jesus and we cry holy 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 and we cry holy 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 and we cry holy 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 is the lamb we fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry, Holy, holy, holy. And we cry holy, 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 we cry holy, holy, holy is the Lamb, yeah, we cry holy, 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 and we cry, holy, 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 and we cry, holy, 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 is the Lamb.
0: So, Lord, we thank you uh, that you speak to us, and Lord, we thank you that you speak to us primarily through your your word and through uh, through your holy anointed word and lord we thank you for that message where you want us to return back to your ways return back to your words and lord uh, help us to do that this week and uh, and just that challenge to to seek after him with all that we have and to and what are we doing what are we doing how are we shining for for you and so so lord we uh, we pray that you'd help us to to know all of Scripture, and if that were taken away, Lord, what would we do? And uh, that question sticks in my mind. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to know your Word, but also share that Word with others. And so, as we go from this place today, as we as we uh, as we hear from, as we as we as we go from here, and as we live our lives this week, may we take your Word with us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen.